Hey there, GPSers, and welcome back to another edition of the GPS Podcast. I hope that you are doing well today, wherever you are and whenever you are. Today, we're going to be starting a new series in our podcast that we're calling Nine a Day, Feasting on the Fruit of the Spirit. And what I want to do in this week's podcast to kick us off is to give a bit of an introduction into where we're headed for the next few months and why we are doing this series at this time. The series is going to be focused around the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul is writing this letter to a church, and he gets to chapter 5 and he writes these words, starting in verse 16. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. Paul writes these words to the church at Galatia in Galatians chapter 5, which means that there are four chapters before that set Paul up to say what he says here in the passage that we just read. Now, I'm not going to read the first four chapters of Galatians to you right now, even though I'm sure that you would love that. But let me just give a concise summary of those four chapters. Paul is writing to this church, and there are several things that he addresses, but one of the things that he addresses is this issue of salvation, this issue of who is a part of the people of God. And there seem to be some competing opinions about the answer to that question. There was one group who was advocating for people to be included a part of the church, part of the people of God, participating in God's salvation if they obeyed requirements of the law. That if they were to carry out obedience to those requirements of the law, then they were fully included within the people of God. Things like circumcision, would be one of those things that would have been a requirement for this group. 
And for Paul, this is heresy. For Paul, this is not a possibility. One of the big battles that Paul fights throughout his ministry is allowing and advocating for people who are not a part of the Jewish nation to be a part of the people of God, to be a part of this new thing that God is doing through Jesus by the Spirit. And so for the first four chapters of Galatians, Paul is making an argument, a really passionate argument, that faith in the promise of God through Jesus is what saves us. And adding anything to that other than Christ alone is unnecessary and it is wrong. That adding extra things, extra requirements, extra hoops for a person to jump through are not the gospel. But the gospel is ultimately about the faithfulness of Jesus and our faith in that powerful act. And so Paul describes through these early chapters this call to live with this new freedom, this new life of the Spirit, this life of God animating our lives and motivating the kinds of people that we are in the world. Christ alone is who saves us, not any additional requirements. And so Paul in chapter 5 begins describing what this life animated by the Spirit looks like. If we are to live differently because of the Spirit of God, what exactly does that look like? And so Paul ends up in chapter 5 describing for us this life that we're called to live. And there's this kind of contrast that he draws between these works of the flesh or this life that is not animated by the Spirit versus a life that is animated and motivated by the Spirit of God. And there are a lot of different things that we could notice about this particular passage And we're going to do some deep dives in this passage over the next few weeks. But the thing that I want us to focus on and pay attention to in this introduction is the metaphor that Paul uses to describe life in the Spirit. The metaphor that he uses is fruit. He calls this the fruit of the Spirit. Now, two things about this metaphor. Or as one of my professors used to say, metaphors. Yes, he did. He said metaphors, and every day in class we would have to listen to him say metaphors. And I I tried not to laugh, but I can't say the word metaphor without thinking of this professor that I loved who would always say, metaphors. But there's two things that I want us to notice about this metaphor of fruit of the Spirit. One, it's singular. It's not fruits of the Spirit. Paul says this is the fruit of the Spirit. And then he goes on to list these nine different 
aspects or traits or virtues. Paul doesn't individualize them. Paul sees them as this collective whole. This is fruit of the Spirit. In other words, there's going to be dimensions of all of these things that he lists that are going to be produced in the life of a believer. It's not about a believer producing one or two of these things, but Paul has this holistic vision for life in the Spirit. Paul has an entire person in view when he makes this list. Christian growth and maturity is, is not about growing in one or two things, but it is about this holistic vision of who we are. We produce fruit holistically and collectively as followers of Jesus. The second thing that I want to draw attention to with this metaphor is that it is an organic image. Paul is talking about fruit. This is an agricultural image. Now, it shouldn't come as a surprise to many of you that I have a history with a budding green thumb, pun intended. I'm not the best in a garden. I'm not the best in a yard, but I like it. I enjoy it. I like the process of gardening. I enjoy the process of growing fruits and vegetables in my yard. And that key word that I just used is the word process. Growing fruit is a process. Agricultural things, agricultural images take time. Even as I'm recording this, I can hear a bird chirping in the distance. I really hope the mic is capturing that just to give this podcast a little more natural ambiance. Growing fruits and vegetables is a process. It takes time. And so when we think about Christian maturity, when we think about the fruit of the Spirit, Paul is envisioning a becoming process in this description. Growing fruit and growing vegetables is not an overnight exercise. Producing fruit and producing life does not happen quickly. Producing fruit is a slow and steady work. And if you know anything about growing fruits and vegetables, then you know that that process of bringing them to fruition is a daily, steady rhythm. It's a daily, steady habit. That if you leave a plant unattended for too long, then it is going to be eaten 
by animals. It's going to potentially experience the decay from insects and other different kinds of challenges in nature. That if you don't tend to a plant or tend to a fruit tree regularly and steadily, then the plant will die. And so when we talk about this process of becoming, this process of producing the fruit of the Spirit in our life, this is a daily, steady habit that we form. And the real way to help that plant to grow, to let that fruit produce, is to give it time and attention and care. And that by turning attention to this thing that you're trying to grow, day by day, over time, it will become what it's intended to be. And that's why we're calling the series Nine a Day. It's playing off of that dietary theme of fruits and vegetables that you're supposed to eat on a daily basis, that you're supposed to eat a certain number a day in order to stay healthy and vibrant. And, and we're playing on this idea of, of nine a day as drawing our attention and our focus on these particular virtues and traits listed by Paul as this kind of slow and steady and daily diet in our life, feasting on the fruit of the Spirit. That what we're hoping to, to encourage over the next few months is, is for us to daily give our attention to this powerful and holistic vision of what Paul describes as the path of Christian maturity. And that over the next few months, hopefully what we will see are little small buds and sprigs of life being produced in our life. And this will not happen overnight. This will not happen in a flash. This will not happen immediately. But but our lives of becoming more and more like Jesus. Some have called the fruit of the Spirit a portrait of Jesus. It's going to take time, intentionality, and trust. And so I hope you will stay with us in this series over the long haul. It's a lifetime of a process, but we want to just turn our attention intentionally for the next few months. Now, I want to make a third observation, and then I'll be done. I said two, but I changed my mind. I added a third. I hope you will find it in your heart to forgive me. How does a tree produce fruit? How does a plant bloom and blossom vegetation? How do these small buds of fruit grow and grow and grow to a ripened 
productive, beautiful, and eatable thing. The fruit, the vegetable, has to stay connected to the plant. If it doesn't stay connected to the plant, then it cannot receive life from that plant in order to help it become all it's intended to be. If the, if the piece of fruit or if the vegetable disconnects from the vine or the branch, then it will ultimately wither. It will ultimately die. And that should remind us to again use this organic imagery that Jesus also will talk about in John 15, that what it means for believers, what it means for disciples, what it means for people who want to live by the Spirit, or as Paul says, to be guided by the Spirit, means that we stay connected to the source of life, that the life of God as we stay connected to God, will produce fruit in us in due time. The fruit of the Spirit is not some kind of performance that we carry out in order to play a game of Christianity. But ultimately, the fruit of the Spirit is about the kind of person we're becoming. And that requires something deeper from us. That requires us to stay connected into this deeper life-giving power and spirit of God. And as we stay connected to the source, then God will produce in us fruit. God will produce in us the character of Jesus. I like this quote of Christopher Smith. He says, So what Paul is saying with his list of beautiful qualities is this. These are the qualities that God himself will produce in a person's everyday, ordinary human life because the life of God himself is at work within them. The life of God by his Spirit will bear fruit in the tree of a person's life simply because this is what God is like and this is what God produces. The Spirit of God, which is the Spirit of Christ, will make the qualities of the life of Christ grow in a person's life so that they become more and more like Christ, which is God's desire for all of His children. As we stay connected to the source... We trust that God will, in due time, maybe when we least expect it, will allow buds of life and fruit to begin to blossom in our lives. But it's ultimately God's life and spirit that causes the growth. To draw on another passage from Paul, In 1 Corinthians, we can water and we can plant, we can till soil, we can do a lot, but ultimately, it is God who brings the growth. And so we must always seek to stay connected to that source of life. And I think 
This is desperately needed in our world today. I think the world desperately needs right now Christians who are more and more reflecting the Spirit of Christ, not the Spirit of this age. That what the world needs now are Christians who are producing good fruit for the world to see and experience. That too often we are tempted to walk down that path that Paul describes in the passage right before this one. This path that is opposed to the ways of God. Filled with anger and quarrels and dissensions and factions and envy. All of these things that seem to saturate our world. That the world desperately needs something different from followers of Jesus. That we are entering into this season where there is going to be a lot of competing spirits that are vying for our attention. And it is so important for us, as we are in this strange season of our life, to be people who are allowing crisis and difficulty, stress and strain, to draw us back to what is most important and what should be our priority. And that is to, no matter what we face, seek and strive to become more and more like Jesus to seek and strive to grow in Christian maturity and grow in the character of Christ. A lot of Christians are not pursuing that. A lot of Christians are getting interested in things that are far from the Spirit of Christ. And so my hope is that we can be the kinds of people who strive and seek something different that we produce this fruit of the Spirit that the world will see and experience, and it will be for the betterment of the world. And so I hope for the next few months you will join me as we turn our attention to this powerful passage of Paul, this powerful metaphor of Paul. And I want to close with a prayer that hopefully will be a kind of prayer for us every day. That's a prayer of John Stott, who was a Christian author who wrote volumes of work and influenced so many believers who passed away just a few years ago. But this was a prayer that he prayed every single day. And hopefully it can be one that that you and I pray every single day for the entirety of this series for the next few months. And this is the prayer, and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen.